Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change. I got, I got some the, my cats distracting me in the background here. My wife is now taking care of that. Uh, you know, yesterday was Take Your Cat to Work Today. I think today is Take Your Cat Podcasting Day. Welcome, my friends, to Suns Out, Mike's Out, a Cobras and Fire podcast brought to you by the Pantheon Podcast Network and the only show sticking it where the sun does shine. Uh, welcome to Suns Out, Mike's Out. I have a special guest host this week uh, from the Kiss Room, the one and only. I like to call you as, uh, and I'm sure I'm the one who invented this, the Matt Porter. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a while since I've done a Matt Porter sighting. I don't know. I used to kind of have fun with you once in a while and say, I'm per- I'd, I'd, I'd go in the Kiss Room and say, Matt, were you at uh, like, you know, Arby's in Roseville, Minnesota today? Because I'm pretty sure I saw you. You know. <laughs> or what's what's that uh, fast food place that loose cannon blew up the uh, <laughs> the bathroom? You know, I, which I which that, <laughs> that wasn't me with the which which. <laughs> oh man! Uh, well, you know, uh, well, how are things in the kiss room? Staying busy once a month, uh, as you know. By the way, there are two kiss podcasts I stay current with now. I am also a fan of the Shouted Out Loud cast, but. Um, and because of, I think I think I can tell you but, uh, security measures at work with the internet, I can no longer listen live on Fridays. But hey, it's still downloadable. I'll get to it. So. You know what? The uh, we just started the tenth season of the Kiss Room, so it's it's funny. Uh, it's June twenty second, twenty twelve was the debut of the Kiss Room. So now we're with this month's issue of the Kiss Room. I'm starting the tenth year, and uh, it really uh, it's funny because you know the last year, like everybody else on the planet, that suddenly locked down. I really was doing a lot more of this kind of thing where I'm recording remote, and you know not really able to use the studio and the house band is recording all remote and it's totally different for me you know it's it's like just to get myself even fired up to do it like you know like i always say shot out of a cannon it's a lot harder to be shot out of a cannon when you're sitting you know kind of by yourself in the living room and it's just uh, i don't know it's it's totally different the uh, and plus i'm way behind on listening because i used to have a commute that was an hour each way every day to work and now my commute is 63 steps for the last year. You know, I walked wow. downstairs, you know, which my physique shows it. So it's just, yeah. uh, it's one of those, uh, you know, <laughs> ah, you're looking good. The, uh, if we, if this is, ra- this is radio, but if people can see you're, you're looking fantastic. So mm. it's just, uh, Thanks, but buddy. yeah, that's been one of the big things for the last year with, you know, with, uh, you know, the whole lockdown is not really having to drive, you know, really, you know, I still during the whole last year, I managed to crack both the front and back windshield because I'm not smart, <laughs> but, the, uh, you know, it's it's been a heck of a year. Uh, well, well, give us an update then. I know things, it depends on where you're at geographically, but like here in Minnesota, things are basically getting pretty close to 100%, you know, turned around from the lockdown. What's it like? You're in Pennsylvania somewhere, right? Yeah, you know what? We're in Pennsylvania, just outside of uh, like Philadelphia area. Okay. And, and I use two kind of barometers for how things are going. 
my work is still very cautious. You know, you're still wearing masks. There's still a lot of social distancing. We did an event the other week, two graduations with hundreds of people inside, which are the first time that that something like that has happened on the campus in since you know March of a year ago, and it was fantastic because it was a it, the one group is called Gateway to College, and the other one is the actually the Police Academy, and they graduated all those students, and you know in the atrium of the one building, and everybody's wearing masks. But there was a lot of people together, shoulder to shoulder, and it felt almost like real life. Hmm. And so that's feeling good. And I think little by little, we're starting the return. I think they're going to make an announcement, you know, sometime soon as how they think this, the fall will look. And then the other barometer is if you go to the supermarket, now at least half the people aren't wearing masks. And, you know, you kind of wish maybe they were, especially when they <laughs> sneeze in front of you. And you think, I hope you didn't put your same hand on the orange juice that you just... You know, you're more conscious of that when you see someone yeah. <clears throat> and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I, oh, don't put that orange juice back on the shelf. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I feel you there. I, I, I was I'm a bit of a germaphobe, so it was it was a nice transition for me. Um, uh, oh, what are you drinking? Is it uh, alcoholic or not? I don't you're not much of a beer drinker, right? You know, this is actually my my uh, podcasting favorite is lemon lime sprite, right just on. because I need to stay sharp when I'm talking to you. I, so I like to go the other there. way. I like to just kind of numb everything and get get uh, looser. But uh, uh, all right, well, of course, you, you being the host of the Kiss Room today, I kind of you curated a lot of kind of uh, Kiss conversations. I'll keep keep it a little loose. Now, when I had you at the expo, I made you say something negative about Kiss, and now uh, we won't. I won't force that out of you today. Well, it might happen, but uh, I promise uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep it in the, in the vibe of the Kiss Room, which is really just a celebration of of the band that you love. Well, there's a lot of great things going on with Kiss right now. I mean, obviously, despite the last year and a half of a lockdown, I mean, even depending on when people hear this, but I mean, they just released that off the soundboard, you know, Tokyo 2001, which the band is sounding great. You know, you figure you got Eric Singer on the drums, but other than that, it's Gene, Paul, and Ace, mm -hmm. you know, so it's that classic sound and Paul's voice is still top you know, top of the game. When you think about it, I mean, 2001, he hasn't even gotten to the Live to Win album, which his voice was still, you know, in fighting right. form by Live to Win. So 2001 is a good time. And, and I managed to get that not only on CD, but I managed to find the vinyl, the three vinyl. Right and I'll tell you, there's nothing greater than when you get, you know, even though it's 2001, but you're getting a new Kiss album, in, you know, in 2021. I think this is one of the coolest things they have done. I don't know how much they... I don't like to give them much credit because they do a lot of stuff that, that I think is like, God, why are you doing this? But at least... You know what? As a fan, this wasn't probably the show I would have started with. Don't care. This is a cool thing. I, I've heard some fans bitch about the packaging, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? I think it's cool looking. First of all, I get what they're going for. You know what I mean? They're, they're trying to replicate almost that like 70s kind of bootleg thing, you know? I, Matt, I don't know about you, but I have a couple, and I have one that is literally just a white sleeve of, uh, I think, a 76 show. And, and for a front and back cover, it is an 8.5-11 black and white photocopy of, of Kiss and then Songless on the back. The labels on the record don't even have anything written on them. That is how bootlegs were. Well, I think that's everybody of a certain age remembers going to either the conventions or a record store that had a special spot under the shelf, you know, under the <laughs> desk where they had the bootleg. 
things. And I mean, think about and look, anybody that's listening to this, if you remember how many boxes worth of bootleg VHSs that you have where it's scribbled mm. on the spine, kiss at the summit. You know, there, there's no other labeling. There's yeah. no packaging. You know, it's like we were just happy to get it. You know, you'd be getting Winterland. It would just say kiss Winterland. Yeah. What did that mean? Here it was. You know what I mean? Like, so so to me, and even that, I think in some ways, if they're going to make this a series, it it makes it easier for them. If they all come out looking with that same cover, but with a different name of where it's at, it's just like that boatload of, of bootlegs that, that, you know, I still have. I have tons of that. Exactly what you're saying. It could be a phone, It could be a cassette that's about a 77th generation copy. <laughs> what i'm talking about with oh, a yeah. photocopy cover <laughs> it, and yeah it sounds like ass too the one that i got it's like i, I don't even know I, I, it's a fairly famous one though i can't remember what it's called though um because i remember i bought it i remember i just read about it in like you know peter arquette's newsletter and stuff like that you know um but yeah i still have my videotapes too somewhere they're in in one of the tubs uh uh you know, on that note, I'll segue. Are you familiar that I actually had my own kiss room that is no longer? Uh, have you, you followed know, I, my, my transition there? I remember you talking about that. The last time I think I talked to you, you were talking about starting to take it apart and, and you know, mm-hmm. shedding, a little, shedding a little tear here <laughs> for you. I Honestly, it was um, – I'll, I'll keep it short because I've told the story on the show before. I came home. I don't know. I was My wife was still at work, and I'm just looking at my – I don't want this the the room anymore. I still kept a lot of the stuff. Actually, I haven't gotten f- rid of anything officially. I have some stuff boxed up that I'm giving to a couple friends, much like I did to you one time. Um, yes. But uh, and then there's things that I'll probably sell, and there's things that I'll probably just sit on. Honestly, I mean, it, it's just space in the basement, that, you know, for that. But the room itself, I was I was just like, I it, this is just not for me anymore. It just isn't. It wasn't. It was not out of like. Paul Stanley is lip syncing, so I can't trust it. No, I, it just wasn't there. I still, none of my vinyl went anywhere. None of my music is going anywhere. You know, what I mean that that's always going to be there. But uh, anyway, enough about that. Uh, maybe maybe I'll I send it, send you another box. Oh, you're the best. You know, I think you get to the point where a lot of the stuff you look around, and you go, you know, what's going to happen? Like, where, what do I need this for? I mean, when we moved two years ago, I sold a ton of stuff just because you end up with boxes of stuff. And, you know, there's only so many minutes left in the day. And, you know, it's uh, at some point, you know, if it was if it was just kind of in a box, I just I sold a ton of stuff. You know, you of course, that's I keep all the music. I still got, you know, thousands of CDs and a lot. I sold a lot of vinyl, too. Too, but the um you know i kept all the really important vinyl but the uh, <laughs> you know it's it's uh yeah you know and i mean i still have what i it's a nice kiss room i mean it's but it's a nice basement with a big tv and a loud stereo and that's really yeah. all you need in life i was curious know. about that. that was one of my questions so how big of what level of uh a collector are you with kiss or what, uh, you know uh, what at your I, peak i at the peak i mean I, I always, you know, it's funny because in a lot of ways, I only really get the stuff that really kind of means something to me. Like, you know, like you see some of these people with floor to ceiling, like the little matchbox cars and there's 500 of them and they're on. I don't know that like that kind of stuff is kind of lost on me. Like the stuff that I have at this point in my collection is all the stuff that really like like all the albums are the original albums from the like when they came out. So like that, those mean a lot to me. That's the kind of stuff that I really collect or like like I have a kiss lava lamp that my friend left 
left to me. I'm not even kidding in his will. Like mm. that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, that really that I hang on to. A lot of the stuff that I really my favorite things are like, you know, I have like a lot of autograph stuff. I keep all that. That's the stuff that means the most, you know, that uh, the stuff that has really some kind of moment in time with me and Kiss. So Sure. Yeah, I have um, a, a couple things that, that, that in that category. I have a pic that I caught from Gene at the Kiss convention in, in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, and a pic that I caught from Paul in the Hot in the Shade tour in 1990. Um, a, a quick story there. It, 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 it hit the palm of my hand and dropped down, and literally the guy next to me, we looked at each other for a second. I put my foot down, and I, was, I got it right on top of it, and then he was down there grabbing my ankle. And, uh, you know, it, I'll give him credit. He's like, at a certain point, he's like, what am I doing? Uh, and he, he conceded. It, I was worried that this was going to turn into a fight, but uh, I, I think uh, it was just a, a, a reaction for him. You know, it's funny, that similar kind of a story. When uh, Kiss did the acoustic tour on the Revenge, you know, Revenge warm-up shows, one of the best shows that I ever saw was at the Trocadero in Philly. And I see this gene pick going up through the air, and it's like in slow motion. And I get my hand up there, and I get it in my hand. And this dude next to me, I think, realizing that I had it, he hockey elbowed my nose so hard. <laughs> I mean, like, I was like, I thought I was going to go down. And, I mean, like, and he, I think he was just angry that he didn't get it. And I have that pick. And I'm pretty sure the blood isn't from Gene Simmons spitting it, but the, it was really, you know, <laughs> that tour with that with, that was one of the best shows I ever saw, and I did get a Gene and a Paul pick. That's the kind of stuff I have. I actually have a, a whole room where it has like the pics and the autographs, yeah. and you know, it's and it's also the bathroom downstairs, so it's it's two double purpose. You get to really enjoy it. <laughs> it's also the bathroom. Uh, you, you should invite Lewis Cannon over to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's welcome. <laughs> oh, that's what I always like about you, Matt. It's a there, there's no uh, no exceptions with you. <laughs> hey, uh, now uh. you're on my sidecast for the summer. Sun's out, Mike's out. Um, the episode that dropped today, I announced my own Kiss podcast coming out. Um, I have nothing but a title, uh, but I want your opinion on it. So here, I'm going to call it "I Love It Loud, But Not During Dinner" cast. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to rock and roll night at least part of every day. Oh, man, that's better. I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get a couple of my little dumb kiss questions out of the way here. What's your least favorite era of the band? You know what? I really, almost without even a doubt, Carnival of Souls, you know, when they're trying to look grungy and sad and, you know, like like even that, like we talk about artwork on an album. You know, Carnival of Souls, there they are sitting there kind of, I always say they're looking kind of glum, you know, all all sour faces. And you go, that's not the kiss that I ever Let me want. ask you, know, you like, on that. It's funny how really. They, they, they had artwork for that. Say, Why didn't they use yeah, it? with like the skull. I don't know. I think they were. And at that point, I mean, obviously, like every they should have when they re-released. By the time it actually officially came out, you know, grunge was already here and gone. Yeah. But at the time, I think they wanted so bad to like fit in with you know, the sweater and, and, you know, uh, staring at the floor crowd. And I just think like, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things where if you look at revenge, it's not like that far of a click to the left that, you know, it's, you know, they're wearing a lot of street clothes and mm -hmm. revenge. It's just the vibe. I mean, that's like, you know, and, and I mean, 
And it's funny, that album has grown on me a lot more. You know, the older I get, the more angrier I get. I understand it more than I ever wanted to, you know, and I, you know, how many years ago. Revenge or Carnival? Carnival of okay. Souls. Yeah. Revenge I loved. When yeah. the Revenge came out, it was a very good time in my life, and it reflected a lot of what was going on in my life. Um, I have great You're talking about Take Revenge. It Off, aren't you? <laughs> You know, there was a lot going on at that time in my life. I will say, the, uh, you know, uh, Carnival of Souls, I'll tell you the funniest part was I remember getting, like mostly, like we were talking about bootlegs, but I remember having that album on a bootleg, on a cassette, and lit, and I'm driving down um, 663, and I'm stopped at the light on, by 309, and right here in Quakertown, and, and I'm thinking, man, this album, I don't know, like I'm not really sure what they're trying to do here. And you get to that part in Childhood End where Gene is going, if you listen during the fade out, you've yeah. got something. I knew right where you were about going. You. And you're like, oh, he's speaking to me. He, he's, mm-hmm. he's secret code for don't worry, it's still kiss. <laughs> wow, that's a fun way to look at that. I, I love that part. I love the record, though. I had um, I had a cassette. You know, th- th- That was the early days of the internet, right? I literally had a friend of mine who had the internet because not everybody did. We we found it and I analog recorded it into a boombox off of the audio quality of, of internet streaming at that time, which was complete ass. It was like an AM radio through a phone, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I right. listened the shit out of that thing, man. I was so happy when they they did a proper audio release. I really didn't care about the cover and all that stuff. I just wanted to hear that record the way it was recorded. Well, that's, I mean, you figure when it came out, even as a bootleg, it dropped out during, like, the reunion tour. And I didn't want anything to do with, like, sour-looking Kiss. It was a reunion tour. They were back to being larger than life. The reunion tour was some of the best shows I've ever seen. And, you know, so it was like when you go, let's see, do I want the greatest, you know, you wanted the best and you got it. Or do I want, oh, let me look all sad and I'm depressed. <laughs> they maybe should have waited a little bit and released it later because that was you got the, it. the reunion time. And that, and, and, and I get why they didn't want to make a big deal out of it because they were still, they were going to try to do Psycho Circus and all that stuff. But, uh, man. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Still a killer record. I, I, I one of my favorite albums of, of, of theirs, but, uh, um, it's really difficult. Well, it's actually- I, I only I only don't like two records, and there's a third one that's kind of like on the edge. But so for the most part, that, that doesn't say a whole lot when I say it's one of my favorites. But well, it's funny because the uh, you know like at one point I did interview Bruce Kulick about it, and he talked about the fact that really one of the reasons why they kept going forward with it was Gene was kind of like, look, if Ace and Peter flake out, we need to have something to put out. And it was going to be Carnival of Souls, and uh, and I think so. Always, it was almost like a back pocket kind of yeah. thing. Was if if this reunion thing's a bust, which obviously it wasn't, but they were going to release that. And I, and I think, I mean, it's probably a better album if it had got maybe a little bit of a different release. I, like I said, I like it more now that I'm a little more angry in my life. But you know, it's good. <laughs> Are you excited for yet another Kiss biography that's coming out? Uh, I think next weekend, actually, from when we're recording this, or this weekend, right? You know what? It'll be next, I guess, Sunday and Monday or whatever, depending on when people hear it. I'm excited for one thing is the fact that anytime 
that we might see more additional footage or photos, things we haven't seen. They're getting scarcer and scarcer. I know that when the, the original long, long edition version of the trailer for that came out, it had footage from the Kite Festival. And I, you know, just to see that footage, oh, I yeah. really want that. The story, there is nothing in the story that we won't have already known. Right. You know, they're, as they're promoting it, you can see how they're trying to promote, and then things got bad because someone in the band was on drugs. And they're back with Paul. Oh, I, I never told you about my ear. Well, any Kiss fan that read Paul's book, we know all about the mm-hmm. ear. You know, and so I think to the general public, they're going to go, oh, this guy looked like he was having a great time. And I guess he really wasn't. You go, yeah, we all know that. <laughs> we, next, you know, give us like like I really I know that the things uh, just from talking to people that I've seen, like the preview of it last week in New York, there's footage of them in Electric Lady Studio, Gene and Paul just sitting and playing guitars. That's what I want. Intimate stuff. Okay. I just want, you know, they're not going to tell us anything we don't already know. Sure. You know, like, how did we come up with the makeup, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're, we've heard all, like, for everybody that knows that for 40 years. So I think those are the things that I like. I mean, the fact that, you know, close to 50 years later, we still get to see them doing cool. Like, for them, I mean, to go back in Electric Lately and where so many historic Kiss moments were recorded – that's still got to be kind of cool. Like, you know, I went in there with Peter Chris on that bus tour a couple summers ago. Mm, and yeah. you're walking through and you go, these are the steps like like Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin or Kiss was walking down. You know, this is the bathroom where Gene might have taken a piss. And now I'm in the bathroom taking a piss. And, you know, <laughs> so it's just so I mean, that's I think that's what I'm looking forward to is hopefully they'll pull out a lot of new footage, things like that. The story, we all know it. But, you know, and plus it's just kiss on TV. I'm excited just for that. It's odd that it's A&E doing it if they have all this kind of like deep dig stuff. I, I, I really don't understand that. Like, why not do that with like a, a, a kissology or something if that's what you're going to do? But whatever. I think, you know what, Kissology, in a way, they know if they release that, we will buy it. Yeah. I think this is one last attempt to kind of get Mom and Pop America or maybe the middle of the roaders. Kiss is still out. I didn't know. I used to listen to Kiss a long time ago. You know, and maybe they'll buy a greatest hits album at the Walmart. I don't know. I mean, it does seem, you know, like it's just one more chance to kind of get in the public eye. You know, it does seem odd. I mean, A&E, but then again, A&E's been doing all kind of WWE. Like, I mean, you know, who, if you're still a Ric Flair fan, we can be friends. So it's just, uh, you know. <laughs> well, they that. used to have that series bi- biography, but like at the time they were very cool. But you look back now, there's some of the cheesiest, dumbest biographies done. You know what I mean? It's like, is that what we're, what we're in for? So I, I hope not. I am going to watch it. But it does seem like Paul and Gene always cater towards that audience you're talking about not you and me they the good morning america the today show the the fox news kind of crowd and my problem with that has always been you can do both which is why i really like the soundboard thing which when that came out i I thought this is not real this is not really sanctioned this is some bullshit but to me that's an example what i'm talking about you can do something that like those people don't give a shit about but the diehards will you can do something for both. So, I don't know. Well, you know, really, here's my hope. And, I mean, obviously, everybody that's been watching and following along with it, they've been obviously very much talking about Ace and Peter were not involved. And Ace said he was offered too little money and Peter didn't want to be involved and this and that. Here's what needs to happen. It needs to be very successful. And then they need to recut it for a long-form DVD 
Ace and Peter need to realize that if there's a story to be told, that there's only so many tri- you know trips around the sun. Get interviewed. Tell us your part of the story. Sit the four of you in the same room and talk it out. And and there shouldn't be any animosity. And then give us the long version. Let yeah, okay. Annie play it the short version. But then, look. It's going to be the greatest, you know, since Destroyer. This will be the greatest TV special since Gone with the Wind, or however they want to spin it. Right. And then, and then recut the long form one for us. And Ace and Peter, if you're listening, I know you're big, you know, Baco fans, and you're tuned into this. <laughs> Heat my words, man. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I would actually love that. I, I, I also kind of respect their angle. Like, you know what? If that's what you're offering me. I just the the story's out there, Matt. I honestly, I, I I'm with you. I I I don't even know if they there's any more that they can tell that we don't already know, except for the the shit that they definitely don't want you to know. You know what I mean? And um, which is there's a lot of that. I'm sure. I think at some point though, and and the one thing that we really haven't gotten in a long, long time, put them in the room together. Yeah. And if you want to say things, you got to say it to the guy in his face. You know, you got to sell that story about well, this and that, and he didn't show up while you're looking at him in the in the eyes. And I think that's the that's, and look, they don't owe us anything. All this years later, they don't owe us another story. We know everybody's written a book and who had this problem and that mm-hmm. problem, but it's just fun to watch. I mean, all these years later, I just still geek out if they're talking to each other. That's all. I'm with you there, um, uh, and and I. I actually had a conversation with a guy at work. He's a uh, he's a huge Black Crows fan, and he's afraid of reading Steve Gorman's book because it's pretty juicy and apparently doesn't paint everybody in a positive light. And he asked me, he's like, well, you've read all the Kiss Guys books. Did you ever have any trepidation? And I'm like, no, I thought it was great. I, I loved I, even the digs and the cheap shots and, and the bullshit, and some of it's not true. I still enjoyed it, but I liked hearing each person's perspective. But also, like when when I needed that illusion, I had it. You know what I mean? Right. That didn't change anything for me. I'm an adult now. It's like I, I, I'm not a child anymore. My father raised me. I can buy my own house and, and take care of myself. And that's kind of like how I explained it. I'm like, it really shouldn't matter. The, come on, dude. You've been in a band yourself for 30 years. You know, the, 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 these stories aren't that different just because they're rich and famous. They're all pieces of shit walk around everywhere. I mean, I mean it's just like so... Anyway. Anybody who's ever worked with a band or been in a band or known a band, you always, in a lot of ways, I do base it on you know who the Aces are, you know who yeah. the Peters are, you know who the, you know, you know which one's the Gene. Gene's the one that goes out and hangs up flyers and goes to the copy machine and makes the flyers and everybody else. Oh, great, you did that, but like, oh my God, I got to go down to the, the the you know the print place and get those prints that I asked Baco to do so I can hang them up, you know, outside the club so people will know we we you know we don't want just ten people to be there. You know, you all know those people. I mm-hmm. think that's Paul's book was probably that was probably the toughest because it read like he was not enjoying himself a lot of the time. Chapter thirty, and you go—that's a good point. 
You know what I mean? Like it felt like we were maybe having a better time than he was <laughs> in some of those years where you go like you'd almost like and I think that it's that illusion. I think and anybody that's ever been in a band that you always thought of backstage like when you're a kid, you think backstage must be this glorious, you know, Shangri-La <laughs> like they show in Detroit Rock City where there's just hot tubs full of champagne and chicks. And, and then you realize it's a sports arena and they're taking a dump in the regular you know, yeah. stall like everybody else. And you go, it's not glamorous. But I, I think it's exactly like you said, when we were kids, they were the larger than life fantasy that you wanted, you aspired to be. I wanted to be a superhero that did these things in Kiss. And then you realize, yeah, it's guys. I mean, and but then we're all just we're all at the point where, the, you know, a lot, it, the fact that at this point, 50 years later, if you can listen to anything and still find any kind of magic good on you because man it's easy to find the downside of everything or to realize look they're just guys or it's just like i mean obviously certain songs don't age as well you know i can't walk around singing sick christine 16 without looking like a creeper yeah. but you know when you're when you're 10 christine 16 seems like something to aspire to but the, you know <laughs> but when you know when you're when you're 53 it's creepy my daughter is 16, so... Yeah, no shit, it is. Uh, I, I, I take some personal pride that I've maintained largely positive relationships for everybody that I spent a lot of time in a band with, but I'd be a, a liar or a hypocrite if I said there weren't some unflattering moments that they could share about me, you know what I mean? And and that, that we're just human beings here, man. Um, and, and 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 so I, maybe maybe that helped when I read those books, but I never really, like... It just it didn't phase anything because there were times where I leaned on that band a lot to get through certain things and music in general, and I don't need to do it. That to me now, music is more for different things. But you know, when you're fifteen, sixteen, and you're dealing with all that kind of fucking bullshit, it it, it matters more. But uh, so it didn't change a damn thing for me. I agree completely. And I think the books, in a lot of ways, very much reflect each person. Gene's books are written from the powerful. I invented everything, Gene. You know, he's not telling you anything you don't know. You he's know, not Peter's telling you anything if you read probably the most candid and really talking about. Yeah, right. I mean, Peter's book, it probably was the toughest because he really he didn't shy away from the fact that he was kind of an ass some yeah. of the time. You know, when he, he's mouthing off and waving a gun, the guy punches him in the face during the earthquake. And you go, I thought that was kind of ballsy to reveal that, you know what, maybe his bad behavior cost him. You know, and for him to admit it, not just say, I happened to be walking down the street when some guy pummeled me. It was not. Nah, I was being a dick, you know, and, and I think it very much was part of, you know, he was realizing maybe he hadn't made the right decisions. You know, Ace's book is so scattered all over the map and you kind of feel that's how he remembers his life. So it's just, you know, <laughs> oh, Ace is a really big fan of Ace. Uh, um, and, you know, he, a lot of people like to tell Ace how amazing Ace is. Um and he and Ace likes to hear that. Except, except just about anybody who was a good friend of his, who then or a girlfriend who then writes a book and tells how horrible he is. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, and then hey. Ace woke up with a piece of pizza stuck to his back. <laughs> Did you? The, the, the most salacious book I read about Ace was that uh, side action he had during the Psycho Circus. Is uh, that Wendy Moore? Did you yeah. read that one? Yeah, that was an amazing book. I uh... I mean, look, you know, and I think a lot of time you say, well, look, and if, if everybody it's like you said about being in a band, but everybody on the planet has an ex-girlfriend who would probably say nasty things about you if asked, especially if there was a chance to make money, yeah. you know, so I take that for what it is. So, 
Okay, fair enough. I'm not right. right now. I'm doing like a Rolodex, so like thinking of like which girlfriend of mine would write a tell-all if I got famous. Uh, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> well, this is a summer theme podcast, so let's uh, let's get your. What's your? Is do you have a favorite Kiss summer memory? You know what's funny is the uh, the the memories that I really associate the most with Kiss and the summer don't have so much to do with the band as they do kind of to my life because I remember like in the summer, the summer to me when we were growing up represented one thing was we would go to what we called the farm and my mom's family had a farm up in upstate, like it's a Wilkes-Barre area. Any of your listeners that are familiar with Wilkes-Barre, that area, Pennsylvania, and and they had like like you know almost i think almost 400 acres of of land and they had cows when we were growing up and and we would go up there and we loved going to the farm and our you know grandparents and our uncle and aunt and everybody that lived up there i have the best memories of my life of those summers we would go to the farm and so when i think about summer and kiss i'll tell you a funny story was um, in the summer of 79, so that means I'm probably about 11 years old, the, the Daily News, New York Daily News, and they live, it's close enough, they would, their local little shop would get the New York Daily News, even though they weren't really in New York. But the one summer they had these, I always say it was an iron-on, but it was really more like a, like a transfer because it was just like paper, like newsprint ink. But it was in the in the book, like in the insert, it was the dynasty cover. And the gimmick was you could buy it and then transfer it onto a t-shirt. Oh, so it I know wasn't what you're talking like about. An iron on. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it was it was like red, white, and blue, and it was the dynasty poster. And I'll never forget was, uh, you know, so we said to our pop, you know, when the next time that you go, can you get three copies of that? Because I have two brothers as well. And we were all really so into it. Think about 1979. And we really wanted it. And Pop says, well, sure, I'll get it for you. And our our uncle, who definitely was not a Kiss fan at all, he says, (laughs) why do you guys want three copies of that paper? And we're like, well, it's got a picture of Kiss. And and he says, what's Kiss? And we're like, well, it's a rock group that we like. And I'll never forget, he leans over and we're on the back porch sitting there. And he says, you know what we do with rock bands? We throw rocks at them. Ah, and he starts <laughs> laughing. And he had the heartiest laugh. And I can picture it like it was yesterday. And even just thinking about that story makes me smile. And But it was like a Kiss-related thing. And, and then a couple, about a year ago, they actually re-released dynasty version that you could buy that shirt essentially that exact same mm. thing but those transfer we i know and i say we because me and my two brothers i know between us we wore those shirts till they <laughs> fell apart but uh so that was that's one that i always think about and and another one that i always think about for the summer it had to be and it goes to the same thing we were up at the farm they had miles and miles okay you know split three rail like split rail fences because they had cows and horses and things like that and one of our jobs was you had to go out and paint the fence and we would just be painting miles and miles of fences for you know our (laughs) uncle whatever he asked us we loved him and and he we would do whatever he wanted if he says go you know move hay or cow manure whatever we just we wanted to help him and i'll never forget the one time we're sitting in them so we're in the middle of this field painting this fence me and my brother my twin brother and we're singing young and wasted very loud i remember young 
young and wasted. For some reason, while we're painting the fence, we're just singing young and wasted. And I, and I can take myself there in my mind like that. A hot summer day, you're painting a fence and you're singing young and wasted. Wow. And, and a memory like, memories like that, I always say I'd only remember the good things, but a memory like that can take me back in time instantly and even a song like that, it's odd that that song transports yeah. <laughs> me. You know, young and wasted, not you know the most wholesome song, but but uh, I mean, those are ones that come to my mind. It's funny because like we typically got Kiss on tour usually in like September or October. Yeah, that was Philly. very common, so, right? Like a so, early, late summer, fall into winter. So they would have like that routine. So summer, I think I saw. Hot in the Shade might have been a June show. There was two yeah. great Hot in the Shade tours. Um, that would have been like early, early. Uh, no, wait, you know what? It was June 26th. Wow. 19, um, well, you know, what? the reason why I remember that is because I have the flat autographed. And it was, so it would be June 26th, 1990 at the Spectrum was the first time. And, and back then, and the, the, so that's a summer memory in a way because it was during the summer. But I really associate that more with the fact that um, that was the first time I had really met them all because my friend Frank Hagen was doing a fanzine called Kiss Mask and they gave us passes. And it was she like met Eric and the, the, meet and, the, the meet and greet was totally different back then. It was literally just a room packed with people. The first person out the door to meet us, Eric Carr. And Eric Carr was as nice as everybody ever says. He walked around, and they're in full costume because this is pre-show. Mm -hmm. So imagine they're in the Hot the Shade costumes. He went around, and he everybody he wants to know your name. He would sign your name. Hey, how you doing? He could not have been cooler. Like everything you ever hear about Eric Carr in the you know couple minutes that I met him, it was that he was the coolest nice. guy. Same thing. Here comes Bruce Kulick. Bruce wants to know your name. What's your name? How you doing? Nice to see you. What's your favorite song on the album? Like he's asking people questions, like really interacting. And my favorite memory then, Paul Stanley comes out. And, of course, you know, you, you only get like a couple seconds. So, of course, I'm babbling this whole, well, you know, I work on a fanzine in the cover. And, hey, and, he, and he's like, hey, I know exactly which one you're talking about. The new one has the picture of us on the cover, like the four of our faces. And what he described was what the new one looked like. And in my mind, I thought either every fanzine he refers to has a, you know, picture yeah. of them on the cover. Or he just, but he, but he. Every time I ever met Paul Stanley, he makes you feel like you matter. And then he's on the next person, but he's always been nice. And then I'm not even kidding you. I'm standing there now having gotten Paul's autograph and somebody bumps into me, like bumps right into my back. And I turn around and I'm literally now I am nose to chest with Gene Simmons. And he looks at me like, hey, like that Gene look, you know, the yeah, Gene look yeah. of, okay. Okay. And I'm like freaking out. And he signs my autograph and he's signing autographs fast. But not he didn't really he wasn't really super talkative, but he was so cool that you're just like, oh my God, that's Gene Simmons. It was just like, you know, and that was the first time I ever met any of them. So that's that's and then the next night they played the Allentown Fairgrounds, which was an outdoor show, which was amazing because mm. it was like out. It was the summer. I remember it feeling almost carnival atmosphere because the weather was gorgeous. And how often did you see them back then outdoors? You know, now right. they would do the sheds all the time. But but it was like and the fairgrounds was one of those places where we used to go a lot. And there was a lot of shows and it was always like 
wild. But the uh, but yeah, so those those are some right off the top that that I think that come to my mind more because it's like where I was or you know what was going on. So I saw Kiss outdoor for the first time in Manassas, Virginia. Um, on the farewell tour, I flew out to watch my last Kiss show with my sister. So um, that was summertime, and yeah, I saw the, the the Hot in the Shade tour probably late spring, early summer, and then I also saw them just at the beginning of fall, late summer. You know what I mean? So uh, it was uh, that. W- I just posted that show recently. To me, that is the pinnacle tour for non makeup Kiss. I don't know. I loved Hot in the Shade tour, and I think in in a lot of ways they really they that's where they really felt. I think they had their finger on the pulse because they want to do something different. So they bring out the Sphinx mm. and they have all the lasers and everything. But I'm not kidding you. You can go back and look, and maybe the Kiss logo isn't the the best version of it. But when that thing comes rising up from behind the stage after I want you, as they go. Da, 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 boom! I want you, and it comes rising up, man. I remember losing my mind at that point because that's what you wanted to see—the giant Kiss logo. And yet, people, oh well, that was a, such a crappy-looking version of the logo. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's not about the—it's not about how it was built. It was the emotion that was coming up when you saw that thing come up from behind the stage. I just, you know. That's the thing about that tour. I mean, the set list obviously was great. Yeah. And their energy. You watch those you watch those shows, man, they are hitting the stage like jumping beans. The energy, the set list, Paul's voice is still just in perfect shape. Yeah. I mean, that 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 would be another one. We started off talking about the soundboard shows. If we can get a good hot in the shades soundboard, mm. I'll, I'll buy that and a minute comes out. I'd like to get um uh the unmasked Australian tour, something like that. Uh, the way you have Eric Carr and East Freely a little bit there, but uh, uh, you know the thing I'm worried about is that there not might not be a lot of there might not be a great recording of that that we don't already have, you know, because at the yeah. time technology wise, you know, 2001 obviously this this first one that they put out, the technology is there to do a great recording. Australia 1980, maybe not so much. I hope something really. I mean, it would be great if something exists that we don't already have. But I'm kind of I'm kind of doubting that it does. I hate to say it, like you know, unless there's some something that's been you why know gotta, buried you in do the vault somewhere. Why you gotta be like that, man? You know, uh, yeah, see, you I, went I neg- like you did. You, you you always do. You always go negative with Kiss. Well, you know, it's funny because the uh, like that's the thing. <laughs> like I want like a rock and roll over tour. You know, like mm. but but does it exist? You know, what I mean, like you know. You know, that's the thing is that then especially at the time, you know, even something like Asylum, like really Asylum would be great, but they didn't have the money coming in. Did they ever they would have had to be taking in a big truck, you know, and re- to get a good recording. And I, I don't know. I'm hoping for the best. I mean, the fact that there's not really a great Asylum video. Right, that's you know, a like bummer, man. Yeah. According to Tommy and Thayer, really there's a pro. Like there's one pro shot show, supposedly. Tommy Thayer, right. If he's got it, you know, like you figure that would be, man, that would be the greatest. I mean, it's just like, uh, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for out of this soundboard thing is maybe, you know, maybe somebody's got it in their basement and they just, they've just been waiting for the right time to put it out. <laughs> I think, uh, hey, I found this tape when I was moving. <laughs> uh, I think Asylum costumes are like the elder album to Gene and Paul in a certain sense. And maybe that's why it's not out there. You know what I mean? 
put it out as an album with that brown paper cover that just says Asylum 1986, <laughs> Stabler Arena, whatever. Look, they don't even got to have their picture in the cover. Yeah, because they played like Won't Get Fooled Again on that. They did a couple different covers, right? Like Whole Lot of Love and stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of cool stuff there. Now, now, to circle back to what you were saying about the Kiss logo on the Hot in the Shade tour, I am right there with you because I was like, this is weird. Like, they always have a Kiss logo behind them. They always have it. And, like, I love this. This is awesome. But where's the Kiss logo? And then when it happened, you know, two hours later, you're like, fuck yeah. There it is. That was perfect. You gave me this huge show, and then you still delivered on that dumb Kiss logo. For whatever reason, really <laughs> mattered to me at that moment. You know what I mean? It was like. That's why I'm saying their, their finger was on the pulse. They knew we needed it. So when it came rising up like a phoenix, and you're like, yeah. I remember just losing my marbles. <laughs> I was just like, you know, it's, which seems so silly, but but I remember at the time just like freaking out. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, moving on from Kiss a little bit, uh, getting to be sticking with the summer stuff. Uh, do you do a lot of grilling there over at the uh, Casa de Porter? You know what? I'm a pretty straightforward grill kind of guy. Hamburgers, hot dogs, maybe some chicken. Um, you know, I'm not one of these with like a mega million, uh, you know, grill with like different burners and all that. Well, are you I'm charcoal a, you know, or gas? Propane, Can we get that? You know, or I'm a propane guy okay. um, just because I'm lazy. And you, if you charcoal, I think it just takes longer to heat up. And a lot of time I need it quick because I need to throw those burgers on because I'm hungry. So I'm a propane guy. Um I'm pretty straightforward. Usually throw, you know, burgers or hot dogs. I like I really like grilled hot dogs. I yeah. and that's something you just don't get. You know, like you can go to like you figure there's every fast food place on the planet, but there's not really like great hot dogs on a fast. I mean, I guess if you go to Coney Island or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like nobody special like Burger King or McDonald's specialize in burgers, <laughs> but nobody really specializes in like You don't remember a couple dogs, years ago know? Burger King did hot dogs for a while? Yeah, for a while. Yeah, <laughs> apparently nobody bought them. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of hot dogs. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I grill a lot. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. I have charcoal. I have a smoker. I also have a gas grill, which I use more than the other two, you know, combined. Um, it, it, it is more convenient, of course, but there's there's other advantages to it too. Um, my my big plan now is to uh, convince. Uh, my lovely wife toots that uh, uh, a pellet grill is what what I need to spend eight hundred dollars on. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had a smoker a couple of years ago, um, and the funny thing was, I would put, I like doing smoked sausage. So you get those Ooh, links and you lay, yeah. layer them in there. And the problem would be I would have to go out and check on it to make it so half of it would be gone before it was done because I'd be cutting a piece off. You know, you take a sharp knife out there and you're cutting a piece. And by the nice. time it's, you know, it was finished, it was, you know, I'm like, man, it's delicious. But the uh, I, I think I might want to get one of those again. But the uh, yeah, you know, one thing I like to do is if you put like if you chop up diff like peppers and I like to do like peppers and zucchini and things like that. You put Ooh. them on the top layer and then you put the burgers on the bottom layer. And one thing I've tried in the past is I like to put a little Italian dressing on the vegetables. You While know, because grilling? then it starts to like 
while it's grilling, but here's the thing. If you ever want some fun, then you just poke a hole. Like I'll put usually aluminum foil under it. Okay. So the, you know, obviously the dressing. But if you then, if you reach out with like a little skewer or whatever, poke a hole, man, it sends flamethrowers up because now you got this oil going down into <laughs> yeah. the fire. So it's just fun and, and it helps. If you really like a well done burger, that's the way to do it because you get some good, you know, some good flamethrowers going on. You, you know, the way that one time I had a real burn, it was burning like crazy. And you're like, you know, ah, what are we going to do now? This seemed like a good idea 10 minutes ago. The, the, the way you opened that, I figured I wasn't going to get any type of like grilling tips from Matt, but that's, uh, that's gold, baby. That's what we're looking for from here. What about summer in general? I'm like, yeah, is it what for me? Summer is my favorite time of year. If I had to pick one of the four seasons, what about you? You know what? I'm really kind of a fall guy. I really like uh, Halloween. I like when there's that little chill in the air. Um, but summer would be definitely second. I think summer when you when I was a kid was a lot more fun because it meant months off. Yeah, you know, you were off, and and like I know, and I, why and did I always, that ever I have to we, change, Matt? That should have just stayed through. Whoever you know, life. whoever whoever came up with that idea that that as you get out of like high school and college, you should now work all the time. Yeah, man, we were stupid. So <laughs> you, you got know, a job like, at, a, yeah. at a college. <laughs> I say we a lot because I, I have two brothers and a sister. And we played outside all the time. Yeah. So from morning to night, we didn't a lot of, played a lot of stickball and kickball and, and capture the flag and, you know, inevitably getting poison ivy from running somebody's yard who, you know, oh, and the next morning you're covered in poison ivy. But, you know, a lot of football and things like that because we always knew a lot of kids. And I think that's the thing with the summer. What changes is, you know, you end up, you're just working, only it's hotter in your car when you're getting in to go to work. Give me three things that Matt Porter needs to like uh, enjoy a summer day you know what oddly enough i think a lot of it air conditioning the one fourth of july <laughs> like air conditioning me. died everybody in the house was angry because we were all so sweaty so you know but i, I think for me i'm you know it's gotten really simple it's just like you know we like to just drive around or you know everyone like like i was telling you before we start we're going to go on vacation you know it's um i'm pretty simple in the summer i don't need a whole lot uh, you know i like watermelon i don't know it's just like you know the uh the summer you know and i guess in a lot of ways this last year has been so bizarre yeah you know, i like just getting together we get to go down to my sisters and we'll get everybody together and have you know like a picnic or whatever real simple i'm, I'm pretty easy as far as that goes what about music uh, do you like music when you grill it sounds like you actually want to get the grilling done as soon as you can and just take your burnt burgers into the house <laughs> you know exactly the you know what i have i still have a boom box nice. i listen to the boom box a lot of time and and like you know i mean lately like even the other night i was sitting out on the deck and i got that new wolfgang van halen hmm. and i was just i love sitting outside listening to music okay, i mean there's, there we go. there's really nothing better yeah i mean it really like on a nice night when you go outside you know i was i actually picked up um um, an older Michael Monroe album too was called Horns and Halos. I guess it's from like the mid two thousands, but I just got it. And you know, you're just sitting outside, and there's really nothing better. And and I I don't tend to listen to it super loud because I know like my neighbors across the street tend to listen to rap music <laughs> super loud, which makes me angry and want to yeah. hurt people. But uh, you know, but but just to listen to it, you know, you have I have a little speaker and that that even can hook up to my phone. Same thing, you know, you get a little bit going on, and uh, you know, it, the same things that make me happy during every season make me happy during the summer, which typically just is you know listening to some music. So, hey, Toots, can you grab me a pen? 
I, I'm with you. I have like these. I just bought these new Bluetooth rock speakers for this year. I, I play music. Um, I definitely not as loud as I used to. Uh, but uh, right, yeah. As I get older, I try to be more respectful of my neighbors. Apparently, I didn't care when I first <laughs> bought the house. But <laughs> exactly. All right, Matt. Well, we have a, a letter section. I actually have a, a a letter for you that was written into the show in anticipation of you coming on. So now it's a bit lengthy. So I s- sit back. Uh, you can hear me clearly, right? Absolutely. All right, dear Matt Porter. Sometimes it feels like the world is out to get me. I was a struggling musician in the early 80s when a band, whose better days were behind them, mind you, asked if I could help them out. Their longtime guitarist had quit, and they were coming off the worst-received record of all time. In less than two years, I had them back on top. The songs I wrote for them during this time include staples they still play to this day. I was never properly compensated for my work, and I filed many lawsuits in an attempt to rectify that. But no judge would help me out, and in the midst of all this, my own band fired me and went on to huge success without me. So I decided to turn my back on the whole music thing and just hang out, play guitar eight hours a day and play with my dogs in my quaint Tennessee home. Years later, I was quoked out of my sabbatical by this stupid super fan with a stupid podcast, only to be scammed by him and his lying ways. All I want to do is sell imaginary box sets to gullible fans, throw myself a birthday party every year with no photos or videos, and block people on the internet. Why won't people leave me alone? Yours truly, Mean Mr. Mustard. (laughs) P.S. Could I borrow $10,000 for a medical procedure? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? It's funny because I think there's a I – mean, everything you wrote in there is so spot on funny. I, I'm laughing like crazy, and I really always think in a way – you know, it's like when we, we started the interview talking about what we were talking about, the books, and maybe, you know, like you didn't want to know about their life. The Vinny story, like it was – it felt like such a great – part of the story he was going to come back and he was going to come to rock and pod every podcast was going to be supportive of man we were going to build this guy back up and man then the way he jabbed chris i you just can't look at him straight (laughs) again and it's just like you know and i really it's it's that is such a disappointing part of the story. And the fact that he still seems to have Chris in his, in his crosshairs, you know, Oh, these people and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh, that could like every podcast, every rock podcast would have been supporting him. If he had just come to rock and pot. And now I feel like we all, we all have a bad taste about it. And I don't want to say a bad taste in my mouth because you know, it's, (laughs) but you know, it's a bad taste. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we we have a little game that we're going to do here to close out the show. But before I do, I want to remind people that you and I will both be at Rock and Pod in Nashville on Oct- uh, August. Uh, shit, it's sixth through the eighth, I believe. Uh, right. But yeah. So yeah, you can come hang out with Matt Porter. You can hang out with Cobras and Fire. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. I'm definitely looking forward to, to catching up with you and seeing you in person. You know, I, I, especially with the year off that we had last year, I think it's just going to be I don't know next level. I hope. I feel like now more than ever, the ability to get a bunch of our favorite people together and, and, you know, it really is going to be a blast. I know a lot of people that are coming. 
every year has been great. And I always say anybody that's listening to podcasts, if you listen to podcasts, you just have to be there. You know, it, and it really is surreal. Like, you know, when like I remember the first time I met you. And it's surreal because, I mean, I would listen to you guys all the time. And I know, like, I know parts of your life because you tell them on this, on your show. Right. And then there you are. And it's just, and the one thing I will say, you're taller in real life than I thought you would be. <laughs> and, and that's actually one of the funniest things I'll say is like when this last year, there's people in this last year that I've only met via Zoom calls. And then you meet them in real life. You're like, wow, you don't look anything like what you look like in a two by two square. Wow. <laughs> you know, on, on my Zoom call. I think my favorite uh, comment from the first year, I think it was Sean Cullen. Sean, if I got that wrong, please correct me. But I believe it was Sean Cullen who said, "Yeah, I heard your, I could, I heard you laugh in the bathroom, like, and by the, he was by the front door of the building at the time. So the fact that that you know someone could actually recognize <laughs> my voice from that far away, I, I thought, like, well, at least I'm making a little bit of a difference, right?" Well, Sean's a good example because we were sitting on the deck of the scoreboard and I saw him <laughs> step up onto the deck and I knew right away who he was. So I remember, you know, yelling like, Sean, and like, you, you can't believe it's somebody that you only know via Facebook or whatever. And there he is. And, this, you know, I always think of like David Cathy, too, is another one. And it's somebody I only knew via David Facebook. Cathy. And I remember the first expo, I remember looking out the door and I'm running around trying to get all my stuff set up. Or, and I spotted him. And you, it's like you get this, like there's a thrill in that recognition of people. Like, there they are in real life. It's like real human beings. I think that's, you know, and I mean, and obviously, look, I go on and on meeting everybody that, yeah. especially that first year, you know, was was amazing. Like, you know, like it's, you know, you could have a decade worth of, of listening and then here they are. All, you know, everybody is. It was really pretty incredible. It does kind of feel like there's a family feel to it. Yes, absolutely. All right, Matt. Are you ready for the game? Um, it's a game I call Who Said It? Ted Nugent or... It's where I give you a quote and two people to choose from, and either Ted Nugent said it or the person that I tell you. Are you, you know? <laughs> I'm laughing too hard. I, I actually <laughs> muted my mic because I started snorting laughing. Okay. I had to unmute my mic. <laughs> okay, and I want to point out, because it's come up a couple times, if I mention like um, a fictional character... I'm I'm asking about the, that, not the actor who portrayed them. <laughs> okay. You know, or if I you know if I mention the actual actor, then then it's not the fictional character. If that makes sense. So, like, if you say, "Luke, I killed a deer <laughs> with a crossbow," it might be Darth Vader. It might be Ted Nugent. Yeah, I, I was going more <laughs> with if I say Henry Henry Winkler, I mean Henry Winkler. If I say the Fonz, <laughs> I'm talking about Happy Days. <laughs> All right, let's get rolling here. The first one I got here is uh, who said the following, uh, Matt Porter, Ted Nugent or Gene Simmons? Ted Nugent or Gene Simmons? Here's a quote. I have got unlimited ideas because I've been clean and sober for my entire life. Was that Ted Nugent or was that Gene Simmons? I think it's Gene. Oh, you are wrong. That is Ted oh. Nugent. All uh, right. So, uh, and by the way, uh, the record is eight. There's ten total here. So you, uh, you, uh, you're kind of funny because that's, but that's definitely a Gene style quote. He's talked about being clean and sober his whole life. I mean, except for that one time in the dentist chair and that one time somebody gave him some brownies. So that's <laughs> been the, that's been the stick for so long. Yeah, Ted Nugent's been been sobered the whole time too. 
See, that's hard to believe. I got to say, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, are you going to go Don Jameson on me and contest it? And because uh, uh, Don Jameson is the guy, the guy who got eight, and and there was actually when, when one... he was sw- when he was swinging out on the rope on a loincloth, I'd imagine there was a certain amount of cocaine involved. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> not according to Ted. Yeah, it's all uh, all guy. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> all right, here's your next quote. Who said the following? Ted Nugent or member of InSync Joey Fatone. Ted Nugent or Joey Fatone? Lance Bass needs to quit worrying about outer space. Was that Ted Nugent or Joey Fatone? I think that's Ted. Oh, you got that one right. Boom, boom, boom. Nice. All right, you're on the board. All right. Uh, next up, uh, who's at the following? Ted Nugent or Kanye West? Ted Nugent <laughs> or Kanye West? If you're taught you can't do anything, you won't do anything. I was taught I could do everything. Was that Ted Nugent or Kanye West? You know, while I think Ted has a very positive image of himself, that sounds like a Kanye pearl of wisdom. And you can almost have him, you know, you can imagine, I've been taught I could do anything, and that's why (laughs) I'm the greatest human being on the planet, Baco. That is the first Kanye impression, I think, ever on the on the Cobras and Fire program. Uh, so kudos to that. And, yes, you are two in a row now. You have two two points. Uh, you, you, you still have a chance to, to set the record. Uh, all right. Who said the following? Uh, Ted Nugent or um, uh, the late John McCain, the uh, senator from uh, Arizona? Ted Nugent or John McCain? Ignorance is indeed bliss. But it is also dangerous and, and embarrassing. Was that Ted Nugent or John McCain? I'm going to say that was former Senator McCain with uh, talking about how probably somebody was, you know, not agreeing with him in a bipartisan sort of way. And another amazing impression, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sorry, I can't give you a point there. Oh. Uh, that was Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was brilliant. Uh, I had no idea that was coming. All right. This next one's a bit wordy, so so kind of hang in there. And it uh, was the following quote. Is this from Ted Nugent or former President Barack Obama? Ted Nugent or Barack Obama? When we learn from... Sorry. When we learn from our cause and effect, we increase our positives. We chip away and hopefully eliminate our negatives so we can be beneficial to everyone else. It's not about being good for me. It's about being the best I can be so I can be a good neighbor. Was that Ted Nugent or former President Barack Obama? You know, it sounds like more like a Ted quote. Barack usually has maybe a little bit more of an eloquent delivery, I think. I know that. You know what I mean? Like, he, I think he, the one thing, and people can complain about his politics, but I always thought he was an excellent public speaker. And I'll, always had to look a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right and we were all going to be joining together and we were going to have the best time ever and you know look at here we could you know United States but so I don't know that, that the quote seems a little disjointed I'm going to say it was Ted Nugent alright you got that one right that is three you have correct good job Matt I was making sure you're still there are you there <laughs> Would that be Ted Nugent asking if I'm still there? Would that be Baco? <laughs> I'm just looking for some kind of reaction. All right, uh, next up. Uh, so, you, so basically, you have three out of five so far. You're still, you, you can still tie the record, but uh, 
And by the way, second place is six, if that matters at all to you. All right. So the following was this Ted Nugent or uh, former talk show host Oprah Winfrey, and now the the owner of Weight Watchers or something like that. Was this Ted Nugent or <laughs> Oprah Winfrey? Follow your instincts. That's where true wisdom manifests manifests itself. Was that Ted Nugent or Oprah? You know what's funny is it sounds like the kind of feel-good thing that Oprah might spew out, but I think instinct seems like more like Ted would be hunting, and you know you don't want to get killed Ooh. by a bear, so you have to have your instincts about you when you're out there in the woods. You got nobody to trust but yourself and your instincts. <laughs> so I, I mean, it, it seems like a crazy, like it seems like one of those things Oprah would put on a greeting card. But I want to hope that it was Nugent telling us how to survive in the wild as only we can with our instincts, Baco. Well, first of all, uh, you're playing the game perfectly where you kind of describe what you're thinking. Uh, so well done there, but I'm sorry. Uh, it, hope is all you have. Uh, that was Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> you get a car, Baco, and you get a car, loose cannon. <laughs> all right, we're, uh, we get just a few left here. Uh, who, who said the following? Ted Nugent? Or disgraced bicyclist Lance Armstrong. Was it Ted Nugent or Lance Armstrong? I really have. If the quote is, I only have one ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, here, here is the quote. I really have the American dream licked. Was that Ted Nugent or Lance Armstrong? See, again, I'm going to go, that sounds like something Ted would say with a beer in his hand, except for he doesn't drink, apparently, and a flag behind him and maybe a bow and some fresh-cut deer that he just got, and he only hunts for sport. I'm going to say with the red, white, and blue going, that's Ted with a quote. You got that one right, man. That is four for you now. (laughs) So we have three left. You can still take second place, but uh, there's no prize anyway, so who cares? All right. Uh, the next line then, who said the following? Was it Ted Nugent or uh, Bill Cosby? Ted Nugent or Bill Cosby? A word to the wise ain't necessary. It's the stupid ones who need advice. Was that Ted Nugent or Bill Cosby? I'm going to say that that's Ted because I think, I mean, I guess the problem is I always think of uh, Bill Cosby in that whole kind of dad <laughs> role where, and he would say, Theo, you need to listen and not be ignorant and don't use the kind of drugs on these girls that I'm going to use. And, uh, Jello pudding pop. Another spot on uh, uh, impression, by the way, but no, that's uh, <laughs> that was uh, uh, Bill Cosby. I always think of Cosby with better grammar than that. I know. I was. That's why I picked this one. I was like, yeah. And look, I'm trying to do a little work when I research these. You know, a, a <laughs> little, a, as little as possible, but a little. A little, as in as little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that Baco or Epstein's mother? <laughs> uh, our, the next one might have been curated a little bit for you. Uh, this one uh, was it Ted Nugent or Linda Carter? Uh, the 70s actress who, of course, famous for playing Wonder Woman. Was this Ted Nugent or Linda Carter? My only interest in women's clothes is what's underneath them. Was that Ted Nugent or Linda Carter? 
While I would love to think of Linda Carter in that way, there's no way she said that. That's definitely a Ted Nugent quote. That is Linda Carter all the way. So no, uh, where did she say that? I think what she's see the thing is like it took me a second to read it. She's talking about the human being. Uh, But because we're men, we immediately go to boobs and, and and naked stuff. And Linda Carter. I mean, is there a greater icon? And like, think about if you had it in 1978. You have Linda Carter in her Wonder Woman bikini, Star Wars, oh and Kiss. Do you need anything else in life? My 10-year-old mind hasn't changed that much since. No, yeah, I still go back. Uh, I, I, I use some of those memories from time to time. Uh, that poster where she's got the shirt tied up in the front and the jeans slung low in the front. Um, it, it, it might be the sexiest picture ever on the planet. Oh boy. I got a feeling you're going to Let's kneel. just take a minute and think about <laughs> yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. The next one, I think I got I got a pretty good hunch you're going to get this one right. Um, who said the following? Was it Ted Nugent or Salt from the rap duo Salt and Pepper? <laughs> this is Ted Nugent or Salt from Salt and Pepper. You're packed and you're stacked, especially in the back. Brother, want to thank your mother for a butt like that. Was that Ted Nugent? <laughs> Or salt from salt and pepper. <laughs> Peppa. <laughs> just, just hearing you say that was making me laugh so hard. That's definitely not Ted Nugent. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you came in at the at the game average of five, right? But uh, the most important thing is that I got to have some fun with you. So that was a blast. All right. Well, uh, this was this was a lot of fun. I'm I'm so glad you agreed to, to come on and do this with me. Uh, my little summer sidecast. Sun's out. Mike's out. Anything you want to pump or, or, or pimp uh, the, with the Kiss Room? Anything you got going on? Well, look. Obviously, on that note, everybody, if they if they listen to the last hour and they find anything I say <laughs> interesting, they can go to thekissroom.com. You know, obviously, there's if you go to the podkiss.com, you can find just about every episode that I've done in the last ten years. But I think even more important is like we were talking about, come to Rock and Pod. Yeah. You know, go to NashvilleRockandPod.com, and there's a list of everybody who's going to be there. There's tons of like celebrities, but mostly, more than anything. If you're listening to this podcast and you love podcasts, you gotta, you know, you gotta be there. It's just it's so much fun. And I think after this last year of everybody being six feet or three thousand miles apart, you know, I can't wait to be back there with everybody. It's just gonna be a blast. And I, I really just couldn't encourage people more to want to come to this and uh, you know that and and wear a name tag so I know who you are because otherwise <laughs> you know I'm not that smart but the uh, you know, some people I only know from their two by two little Facebook profile picture, but you got to be there. It's going to be a blast, and we're just going to have the best time ever. And I, you know, I think, uh, you know, it really. You talk about just trying to get back to normal. It's really a call to getting back to seeing people, and I think uh, I just I couldn't be looking forward to it more than that. Well, Matt, as you know, you don't just host one of my favorite Kiss podcasts. You're one of my favorite people on the planet. So I really appreciate, uh, I don't know, anytime we get to spend time together. I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, shaking hand, maybe give you a hug here in Nashville uh, at the end of, or at the beginning of August. So, um, yeah. And by the way, you know, you, you, can, you, know you, can, you can talk to any of us, you know. Come, come, come join the party, man. 
Yeah, look, everybody that's out there, I mean, sit down. A lot of these podcasts are recording on site. You can, Maybe you have something, you're a big Cobras and Fire fan, and you really want to talk to these guys. There's nothing cooler than you to sit down with the people that you listen to, and now you are on their mics with them. You know, I was on your show when we were down there, and mm-hmm. it's fun to sit and actually look people in the eye and talk about these things that, for the most part, we've been talking back via our windshield for decades. Right. You know, trying to reply or laughing out loud because the trash truck didn't come at the right time and LC, you know, had to run back through the driveway to get his trash. And then he was worried somebody was going to take the good stuff from his car. I remember all that stuff. It was great. You know, and then now it, it, you know, those people all come to life. So. Uh, well, it, it's been a blast having you on the program. Um, I, like I said, I have a little surprise for you. We're going to kick it to the Suns Out, Mike's Out band uh, for the closeout track. It, this one was definitely picked just for you, Matt. Matt, thank you again for coming on, and I'll, I'll see you in a couple months. Thanks, Paco. One, two, three, four. Let me tell you my story. I got a man-sized predicament. It's a big one. It goes like this. Yeah. Mama, hey! Let me tell you my story. I got a man-sized predicament, but it's a big one. <laughs> and that's redundant. <laughs> Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. 
We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.